everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. On this podcast, I talk to people who have said yes to a greater calling in their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. So today, I had a chance to speak with Kirsten Sandroider. She's a 22-year-old, and she is an athlete. She is involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. She's a teacher. She's a coach. She graduated from Cornell. She's a runner, and she suffered with an eating disorder when she was in high school. So we touch on all of these things. And what I'm hoping to do with this podcast um, moving forward, as many of you know, I've um, just recently been certified as a life coach, um, and I'm super excited about life coaching. It, it just feels like it's the thing that I've been um, kind of training for my whole life. So I'm, I'm very excited about doing one-on-one coaching. I'm also hoping to um, create some online coaching, some group coaching, Uh, lots of different ideas and exciting things ahead um, with regards to Great Big Yes and life coaching. And so on these podcasts, what I hope to do now is bring some people on that um, not only inspire us, but also give us some ideas of where to go if we need help. Um, Who do we call? What website can we go to? What can we Google? What if we're concerned that our child has an eating disorder? What if we're concerned about um, the way our child is... um, kind of incorporating sports into their life. Like maybe they're over-exercising, maybe they're over-competing, or maybe as a parent, I'm struggling with what's the balance here? What? How do I create something really positive in my child's life and not let my own striving or my own competitiveness um, get involved here, right? And so it's a lot of... Um, learning through people's stories, which is really the only way that we can learn, right? I feel like if we just keep telling our stories, we get to meet people out there in the world who can really just have that sense of relief and that exhale of saying, you know, I'm not alone in this, right? Kirsten mentioned too that there is a group called Finding Balance if you need help with information about eating disorders or how to get treatment. And I'm going to include that in the show notes at greatbigyes.com. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kirsten Sandroider. Please let me know if you have any questions, comments. Um, Go ahead and email me, greatbigyes1 at gmail.com or comment in the notes on the blog or on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to hear from you and hear about what you want to hear or any stories that you have to tell. All right. Have a great day. Enjoy. All right. Hi, Kirsten. How are you? I'm good, Sue. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. It's super exciting to have a 22-year-old on the podcast. And I love, I love that you're here. I know that this, uh, this will bless moms and this will bless um, young adults as well and teens. And so how about if we just start with you introducing yourself and kind of telling us what you do? Sounds good. Um, So yeah, I am Kirsten. I am about a year out of college now. My college major was nutrition. And after I finished up last May, I moved back to Maine, which is where I grew up. And I absolutely love it here. And since I've been back, I've been working for a ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And the whole idea of uh, FCA, we will abbreviate it, is to share Jesus with people through the platform of sports. So I get to work with all ages of athletes and with coaches as well through that. 
And then I also have been coaching myself. Um, running is my sport background. So track and cross country are what yeah. I coach. Um, and I'm volunteering with youth ministry. And one of my goals is eventually to be a teacher, probably in health education. So kind of trying to combine all those things um, and working with, working with kids. That is awesome. I love it. Okay, a couple things. Maine, I've never been to Maine, and people say it is one of the most beautiful places in the country. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love Maine. I always tell people to visit. Um, I didn't realize how much I loved it till I moved away, but it's great. Wow. Where did you go to college? I went to Cornell. It's in upstate New York. Um, so it was like seven hour drive for me, not too far away, but yeah. Yeah. So you're glad to be back in Maine. That's awesome. I'm very glad. Um, tell me about how you got involved with sports. Yeah, definitely. So when I was about six, I um, joined a summer track team, which my town still has, and I actually coach that now, which has been really cool, kind of full circle. But my older brother is two years older than me, and he joined the track team when he was six. We just kind of had moved to Maine recently and needed something to get involved with. Um, and I always just wanted to do everything that he did. So mm -hmm. followed in his footsteps and I ended up just loving it. So I continued um, as I went through middle and high school and eventually college. That's awesome. Does your brother still run? He does still run. Yeah. He, um, he lives in Montana now, but he's done a few marathons since he graduated and, um, and he still loves it too. That's awesome. So I know from being a mom that sports have been um, a really positive thing. Like I think that they teach character and discipline and all of that. I also have seen as a mom how they can be kind of, um, they can be destructive in a way if you get super into like ha making sure your kids perform or having one idea of how it's all supposed to look. Um, can you kind of speak to that? I know that you had some struggles that you were dealing with, and I would love to just share that with the listeners and kind of how you overcame those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, running, as I got into it and I realized I was pretty good at it, um, it became very easy to sort of use it as a way to gain recognition and just really find my worth in that. Um, I was a pretty shy kid growing up, and so it wasn't always easy for me to make friends on my own. And so having success in my sport was really something that I latched onto and just yeah. really fed off of. Um, so as I kind of went through it and I just poured everything I had into doing well in my sport, it got entangled with other struggles. And I ended up really focusing on my nutrition and my eating to a point where I developed an eating disorder. And that ended up being quite debilitating. And eventually ended up bringing me so far down um, just a poor health track that I wasn't able to run for a while. And I think it was at that point that I realized when you give anybody but God the glory in sports, it ends up bringing you down a really dangerous path. So that's mm. kind of what with FCA work too, I tend to bring it back to is you have to think about, is it me that I'm trying to glorify, which is always going to fail in the end? Or am I really trying to bring God glory through this? And like you said, just using sports as a way to, to build character and really kind of use it as a microcosm for life. Um, so yeah, sports can be so useful and valuable, but it is a tricky thing to navigate. Yes. So when you say an eating disorder, um, did you have anorexia? Um, yeah. So it's funny. I don't think I realized it so much um, until later on, but 
If you've ever heard of orthorexia, it's not a clinically diagnosed um, eating disorder as of now, but it probably will be in the future. But what that is, is basically a kind of an obsession on the purity of your food and just like eating very specific foods that you yeah. consider healthy. Um, so for me, it was really just being hyper-focused on things that I thought were good. And then there's a lot of stuff that I just wouldn't eat. And it did end up that I lost a really unhealthy amount of weight. Um, so not, not strictly anorexia, but, but a lot of the same symptoms for me. So then how did you come out of that? How did you heal from your eating disorder? Yeah, definitely. So when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I had really focused in on that and was losing a lot of weight. And it also kind of came along with just doing way more training, um, more running training than I should have been. So over-exercising and it got to a point where people in my community were just noticing the physical symptoms of it and that I was just sort of wasting away. And so eventually my parents and my doctors kind of said, okay, like you can't run anymore and we need to address this. So it kind of, it wasn't very graceful. It was all just very abrupt um, yeah. at that first step of healing. But through that, um, I just had the privilege of really having great parents. Um, my parents were awesome in helping just, you know, restore me physically. And then I was also sort of growing in my faith and learning about Jesus for the first time around that period in my life. So it was, it was a slow process. There were kind of multiple stages. Once I got to college, I also, I would say that was what really brought me through it. I worked with a great uh, sports dietitian in college who helped me understand how to eat well um, and for my sport. And then I also discovered FCA as a ministry for the first time. So God really used all of those things to bring me through it. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you mentioned that you're parents were a good help to you because I coach a lot of moms and I, I, I'm curious, what would you, what was most helpful that your parents did for you at that time? Definitely. Um, I would say just not pressuring me to get back into those things that I performed so highly in um, right away. Like obviously I would say my parents were my biggest cheerleaders in sport and like they really loved it when I did well and they came to all my meets, but when I needed to shift my focus um, to just being healthy and not um, not idolizing the sport as the only thing that made me worthy, they were just so supportive in that. And like, my mom was just really willing to do anything to help me get back to a healthy place. And she also, I think one of the best things was just having her and my dad, but my mom just really listened to me talk about my experience. And like, she didn't try to fix it right away. She just would listen to me talk about why it was so hard to not be running and like, you know, eating all this food that I didn't think was, was good for me, but I really needed. Yeah. She just really listened and she tried to learn from my experience and just kept trying to help me meet my needs throughout the whole process. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that you said that she just listened and didn't try to fix you. I think I know as an adult, as a parent, that for me has been really hard to not try to fix my kids if they're suffering, not try to like swoop in and make everything better and like mm -hmm. just fix it. But like to allow, like you mentioned earlier, this was a long process. You know, there were probably fits and starts and there was like it, it wasn't a straight line to healing and I think yeah. I think that's important for parents um parents to hear too did you feel like there were a lot of other girls around you at that time that also had eating disorders 
Honestly, no. Like, I remember it was a really kind of strange thing with my friends. I think I remember kind of hearing like through the grapevine that certain like of my friends were talking about, oh, like <laughs> Kirsten's probably not in a great place right now. But I remember it, it being sort of a very uncomfortable and taboo sort of topic to bring yeah. up. And um, like, it's interesting now, I think I observe more behaviors and just mindsets around food that maybe aren't a full-blown eating disorder, but just are kind of in that realm of disordered eating and just being really held captive to um, to just struggles around food and body image. Um, but at the time, I didn't really notice it in a lot of my friends, um, although I think there was probably more struggle there than I realized. Yes. And I think, you know, I grew up, I'm much older than you. I could be your mother. So I grew up in the eighties and, um, there was a lot of fear around this and it was taboo and people didn't really talk about it. And so a lot of people my age that are moms now, it is a real concern of ours, like, um, not just in sports, but like just in general with, you know, social media and just kind of how women, um, the pressures that young women are under to look a certain way. Definitely. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. So tell me about, um, did you grow up knowing about Jesus or was that something that was new to you in college? Yeah. So I grew up, um, my family went to Catholic church and so I, I knew about God and I always really wanted to learn more about who God was, um, and didn't always get that, um, as much as I wanted, uh, in the church that, that I grew up in, but I around, I think it was, I guess it was my freshman year of high school. One of my friends invited me to a young life summer camp, um, which I love young life ministries still. And they're so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So (laughs) so much fun. And that was the first time I remember I was just around all of these people. Um, like the counselors were just so joyful and I just got really curious and they gave us all Bibles. And so I kind of started exploring more for myself. Um, and going to college was, I would say the step where I really like understood the gospel fully. Um, and I got plugged into a Bible study and I was like, Oh, okay, this is actually what Jesus did for me. And, um, and then also having FCA to kind of understand that, like, I guess (laughs) I think for a long time I had a hard time understanding how, I could be a competitive athlete and still be glorifying God. So that really helped kind of redeem that part of my story um, and just realize that, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus first, but he gave me this talent and this is, you know, by design and this is a way that, that people can glorify him. So, so yeah, kind of that being exposed to young life um, was my first understanding of who Jesus was and then really, really accepting him and letting him lead my life came uh, sort of when I got to college. Yeah, that's awesome. I grew up Catholic too. Um, and I remember learning for the first time about what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And that changes everything. Definitely. <laughs> um, yep. So yeah, I'm grateful for young life in my daughter's life as well. She ended up being a counselor one summer and just loved it too. But um Just, I love their outreach. So it's the same with FCA. So is FCA like on every college campus or what's kind of, where are they and how do people find them if they're looking for that? Definitely. Yeah. So um, FCA is like a parachurch ministry and 
really not specific to kind of any level, um, like age group. Um, there is FCA presence on a lot of college campuses. I wouldn't, I would definitely say there's several college campuses that don't have FCA yet, but um, there's also high school and middle school ministry going on. Um, that's in my area, mostly. What I'm doing is getting, um, they're called huddles or the Bible study or small group meetings. So starting huddles at high schools and middle schools. And then another huge component is actually coaches ministry. So kind of what one thing the FCA has identified as a really powerful strategy is ministering to and through the coach. So oh, having, I love yeah, that. That's definitely. So awesome. Yeah, okay. definitely. Sorry. It's very cool. Um, Cause we have FCA staff people um, just mentor or like um, disciple one-on-one coaches of different teams because we know that like, okay, if we can come alongside a coach, then they influence so many athletes and more than we could ever reach. Um, so yeah, that's one really big strategy we use and how to find FCA in your area just by going to, to the website, fca.org. Um, and then there's a lot of, there's a camp website and stuff, but if you, if you Google FCA, there's tools on the website to find your local staff person. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of it around, but we're definitely working to grow it. We had FCA at my son's, I'm in Texas. We had it um, at his middle school. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. And they would have like different, you know, they would have meetings and they would pray and have donuts and um, have yeah. speakers and it was great. And I love I love that they had that influence there. Um, is that hard to get a Christian organization into like a middle school or a high school nowadays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a challenge, especially I know like where I live, it's just people, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of, of growth that we hope will happen um, and people are often pretty cold towards um, towards Christian organizations. So yeah, like a lot of it comes down to kind of, okay, student rights and like it is something that they're allowed to do and, and have um, and some are more open to it than others. And I know like a lot of the kids who lead their huddles at their middle and high schools, they have, you know, one to two kids coming every week sometimes and it can be discouraging, but we always just try to encourage them. Like it's not about the numbers. And if you're, if you're reaching, you know, one life, then that can just multiply um, and you have to trust that God's going to use that for good. So yeah, it can be a challenge in, in public schools, but it definitely, we, something we want to keep enduring and just. Yeah. Keep pressing. Yeah. Um, that whole audience of one thing, you know, it's like we do this for the Lord and whatever we're doing, whenever we're meeting or studying the Bible or talking about God or just sharing the gospel, whatever we're doing. And I think a lot of the things you've said kind of come together in this, in this lesson, like even the talent that you've been given isn't for your glory. It's to make his name famous. Yeah. And so even when you're, you know, hosting a Bible study, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, who's any age, if they're, you know, hosting a Bible study in a middle school or a high school or in their neighborhood or um, trying to do something online, it's like, you know, sometimes it's one person and that's enough. And, and God's going to bring the people and he's going to prepare the hearts for the message. And we just have to keep doing it, right? We just have to keep offering it. And that's a real, um, that's a real hard thing sometimes because I think we're taught in our society. It's all about like successes in numbers, successes in how many people are listening to your podcast, how many people are liking your Instagram posts, how many people are 
coming to your webinars, you know, and it's like God's economy is different, right? Because that one heart that hears the message and changes their life could change so many, right? And so I love the idea that um, through this, you learn that your talent was really, you know, God designed you that way. And then through that, you get to give him glory. I think that's beautiful. Definitely. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's hard to not get caught up in the ego of it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think one of the key things for me that like, I always try to kind of encourage my, the athletes that I coach in is just when you're competing, like if you're kind of seeing your competitors and you see like even teammates have success and you kind of see that as like, oh, like I don't want them to be succeeding because that's like a blow to my, my worth and yeah. how well I'm doing. I think that's really one key piece that I like to focus on is how are you seeing competition? And like, if you're seeing other people's success as a threat to your own, then there's a problem. Cause you know, it's just sports can be so awesome. And, you know, being able to genuinely celebrate somebody else doing well, I think shows a lot about the condition of your heart and just realizing that it's something that should be fun and should help you grow as a person. And yeah, ultimately give God the glory. So there's a lot there, but it's hard to, hard to, um, (laughs) yeah, there is a lot there. Like, so what would you say to, you know, someone who's, you know, my son plays football here in Texas. It's a big deal. You know, we're on a great team that, you know, they win state and it's super competitive and all of that. And, um, I love that they teach character and discipline and all of it. Like I'm super grateful for it. Um, but if you're a competitive person, you know, if you're an athlete and you, like you, you mentioned, how are you seeing the competition? So say you're talking to a teenager and they are, you know, saying, well, that person's better than me. And that makes them upset or jealous or envious. You know, it's almost like, I feel like then they just try to work harder to be better. But what would be your suggestion in that? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, so one thing, I think I remember learning this, like, um, towards the end of my high school years, but I saw a definition of the word compete one time. And it means like coming together to strive, which I think is really cool. And thinking of it, okay, like, yeah, do you want to try to beat that person? Like, absolutely. But kind of what is the purpose behind that? And when you think of it as like, well, we're doing sports to try to really get excellence out of our talent. And we're doing this to see how far we can go and seeing competition kind of as a way to help each other in that and bring each other along and together sort of do more than either one of you could do alone. And yeah. Realize that competition has a purpose, but it doesn't need to be like this really like deep down, it doesn't need to be something where, oh, that person does well. And so all of a sudden that diminishes what I've done because it really doesn't. Um and yeah, it is it's hard to get teenagers especially to buy into that mindset. Um yeah. we're always trying to outdo each other, but <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one thing that I would say. Yeah, I love that. What did you say? Coming together. What was it? Compete. Com- yeah. Coming together to strive. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. So tell me about when you were, so when you started running, if you were like six years old, when you started running, yeah. did you do other sports as well? Or did you just stick with running? I did. Yeah. When I was, when I was that age, um, that track team was in the summer. So that's sort of how I spent my summers. But until I hit middle school, I also, I did dance. Um, I played soccer. 
my family's really big into skiing. So I never did that competitively, but we skied a bunch in the winter. Um, and then I did focus in pretty much exclusively on running year round by the time I got to middle school. And looking back, I think I wish I had diversified a little bit more just, um, just for like the health of my body's sake. Um, cause it really yeah. takes a toll. And I like, I love, I mean, I think you can do it in a healthy way to really zero in and specialize. But if any athletes that I work with are ever interested in like doing a different sport in the winter, I always encourage them to do that. Cause I think it just helps to be doing a variety of things, um, both for your mental and physical health. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just interesting phenomenon. Now, a lot of parents, you know, it's like, um, in second grade, they're making their kids yeah. choose a sport and, you know, they're starting to fly around the country traveling, doing this one sport. And a lot of these kids are getting to high school and quitting. They're just like, I'm yeah. done. Like, I can't do this anymore. Definitely. And I feel like that's a real disservice. Like it takes kind of the, to make it competitive so early takes some of the fun and the joy out of just trying different things. And like our football coaches say, go ahead and do a lot of sports, do a sport every season. Cause it makes you a better football player. Like it's going to make you better. You're going to learn things mm -hmm. in that sport, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I don't know if there's a switch back to that, but I know when my kids were young, there was a lot of um, people kind of saying, well, you have to choose, you know, to yeah. their kids. Definitely. No, I hope so. It's, it's funny because there's kind of two sides of it that I'll see. It's like either they're specializing super early and focusing like everything on one sport, but then like my hope is that people would just take different seasons to do different things. Cause I'll also see a lot of kids trying to do like two or three sports all in the same season. Oh, like, they can't do that. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's too much. Um, it's, you know, you can do a few things good but if you want to do like as well as you can it's like doing one thing at a time is the way to go so that's a challenge too I'll see kids trying to do track and lacrosse and yeah it really overloads them so yeah I would hope that people kind of get back to doing two or three sports throughout the the year in different seasons yeah and then did you run at Cornell was that were you on an athletic scholarship um, so yeah, they actually don't give scholarships, but I was on the team. Um, and that was sort of my college experience was having a lot of injuries, um, as just mostly physical repercussions of the eating disorder in high school. What happened, um, in my case was that I like had had a lot of weight loss and I wasn't getting a regular period. And so that, um, compromised my bone density. And as a runner with it being a really high impact sport, I would yeah. get stress fractures. So mm -hmm. pretty much all throughout the four years, I would run a little bit and then I would break a bone. And that happened several times. So by the time I got to be a junior, it just wasn't looking like I could really compete. But yeah. I stayed involved with the team um, and I sort of took on a team manager role, um, mm -hmm. which was really good. It was a neat way to just be able to like serve my teammates and still build relationships with them. Um, but yeah, so that was that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, Cornell, you're no slouch in the academic department either. I'm sure. So congratulations on that. That's Thank you. Amazing. And that's a whole nother podcast talking about uh, parents and the academic pressures of kids. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, athletics are, I think, for me, all in all, really positive. I think it just matters, you know, in anything we do in life. And it's like, how do we, how are we approaching this? And how much are we getting our worth from this? 
are we deciding yeah. we're not worthy if we don't win? Cause that's a problem, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, all right. Well, so I want to get to the part of my podcast at the end. I always ask these questions and I kind of gave you a heads up. So hopefully, um, yes. you're prepared for this, but, um, what is a book that you love? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, so actually it's a book that I'm reading right now and I'm not totally to the end yet, but it's right up there with my favorites. Um, it's called Run the Mile You're In, um, mm -hmm. and it was written by Ryan Hall, who is a Christian, and he just retired, but he was a professional runner, um, and it's really great. He has, like, a theme for each chapter that's focusing on a lot of things we talked about and just how to be a high-level athlete and glorify God while you're doing it, so awesome. it's giving me a lot of practical topics to, to bring back to the kids that I work with. Oh, I love that. That's good for parents to know too. If they have kids who love running, you know, like I love that there's always yeah. athletes putting out, um, their stories. <clears throat> so inspiring. And football has a lot Definitely. of that. Too. I love that. Um, all right. What movie do you love? I have always loved the sound of music since I was really little. Um, love we it. actually, I, we took a family trip to Austria and we got to do the sound of music bicycle tour. So that was a highlight <laughs> of my life. <laughs> I love that. Definitely. Oh my gosh. My mother-in-law loves that movie and she always makes my kids watch it when they're over there, no matter you know, how many times they've seen it, but they love it too. So good. Definitely. Um, all right. And who inspires you? Yeah, so I think you may actually know her, but my friend Nicole Edelstein, um, she is, she's involved with Holy Yoga, and we met at Cornell, and she has her own business now called Nicole Macaron. Um, she's been on the podcast for everybody listening. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Go back into the old podcast, and Nicole is on there. Yeah, and that was, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, so she's just been awesome. Like, we actually met through holy yoga. She was trying to offer classes and it was kind of that sort of situation that we talked about before where I was one of the only people coming um, and she could have easily gotten discouraged um, by low attendance, but we ended up forming a really, really great relationship and have kept in touch. And she's just somebody who is always, always working towards her goals and the vision that God's given her for her life, even when it is more difficult and she's not getting the results right away. Um, she's just persevered and is growing a really awesome business um, and giving back through it. So yeah, she's definitely somebody who inspires me a lot. And what I love about that, and I just want to point out to the listeners is, so Nicole offers a holy yoga class. You're the only one that goes. You build a relationship with her. She introduces you to me. I have you on the podcast. Like we don't know what God's going to do with any of it. Mm -hmm. We Absolutely. just keep showing up. We just keep showing up. And if we're connected to him and we are listening to his voice and where he's leading, we can trust that he's putting all of those pieces together. You know, I always say to somebody, to people, don't judge or limit where your gifts will take you. Like just offer them. Like show Definitely. up and just offer them. Right. And then he's mm -hmm. in charge of the outcome and, and we're not, we can't be too attached to the outcome because we'll drive ourselves crazy and, and maybe end up not doing anything. <laughs> um, Definitely. Exactly. So that's just like a perfect example of kind of the domino effect that is available to you when you step out in faith, which For I sure. love. So yay to Nicole. Love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And what is a good piece of advice that you've been given? 
Yeah. So my dad always would tell me kind of as I was going into college and things were really overwhelming, he would just say, do the next right thing. Um, and I use that all the time. Um, cause like you're saying, it's, I think so easy, um, just to get down a rabbit hole of thought, um, and I'll get really overwhelmed about what things that I need to be doing to set myself up for where I want to go in life. And just coming back to, okay, what is the first thing in front of me that I know will, um, you know, be productive and be good. And so just thinking of it in baby steps and doing the next right thing that, you know, God's put on your heart, um, is something that I always come back to. I love that. That's so good. I love it when people, when you ask what good advice and people say, well, my dad said, because I am that person too. My dad um, (laughs) had the best advice and he was always so wise. And, um, yeah, so I, I love that. And also just as a parent, um, talking to you at 22 and hearing that, um, you know, it's a reminder what we do and say as parents, you guys are paying attention. (laughs) So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's good. That's good and scary. Right. So I know that, (laughs) um, yeah, I know that hearing from you, um, just, just helps parents. And what advice would you give to a young person who is in high school and in a sport and maybe feeling, I don't know, competitive or not, not enough, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say just continue growing in your relationship with God and just learning more about what he says about who you are, because there's sort of this other concept of like playing your sport or, you know, doing whatever you do as if you've already won, because if we, if we, have a relationship with Jesus, like we have one and all the battles that we're fighting, like we already are on the winning team and just, Hmm. yeah. So continuing to like learn scripture and be able to have things in your head and in your heart that you can repeat to yourself that remind you that like you're beautiful, you're worthy and you're enough. And like, I don't know, I feel like we sometimes hear these things over and over, but it really is true. And I think we can never stop growing in that way. Mm, I love that. So to finish us, do you have a scripture that you repeat to yourself? Do you have like a life verse? Yeah. Oh gosh. I feel like I have a few. Um, one that I put actually like as a decal on my wall, it says, um, I will run in the path of your commands for you've set my heart free. Um, it's Psalm 119 32. Um, and just, I mean, there's so many verses that kind of have running interspersed in some way, but yeah, but I love, I love the way it just says at the end, like, yeah, I'm fixing my eyes on you. Um, cause that makes my, my heart free and my heart will always, it will never be free without, without God. So yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And a great place to kind of finish and a great thing for people to think about. And I just thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so appreciative of just your life and your example. And I know God's going to do amazing things with um, you teaching and coaching and wherever he takes you. So thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. 